0: Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Harris. You're listening to Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Decker. And in today's episode, episode four, we're interviewing Michelle Ochoa.
1: Right. This interview uh, surprised us. We we wanted to go with somebody different after having Jerry Goldstein. We interviewed him on the same afternoon. What I think caught you and I by surprise is we asked her for one piece of advice She didn't blink an eye. She didn't hesitate. She gave us a piece of advice, very concrete. She said she tells every new baby defense attorney to do this. She said do it, do it over and over. And I know I found myself going back and looking, doing exactly what she said since that time because I thought it was that good of advice. Pay attention to it. All right, good afternoon. Um, We are in the pre-hours of the annual Rusty Duncan Texas Criminal Defense Lawyers Association uh, annual meeting, um, and I had the opportunity and called my good friend, uh, Michelle Ochoa, uh, who works in the Public Defender's Office, and I'll let her give you the full title because I would mangle it, uh, but she's in B County in that regional office. Uh, and she said she would be glad to visit with us for 30 minutes or so, and. Well, first of all, thank you for being willing to meet with Andrew Harris and Andrew Decker on Texas Criminal Defense. It's the name of our podcast, in case you're just playing along at home. Um, So, Michelle. Yes. Thank you for being here.
2: You're welcome. All
1: right. So uh, you're actually our second interview outside of ourselves. I'm honored. So uh, we're thrilled about that. Um, First of all, tell me what your actual title is. I know I know it. I know you've told me, but I will mangle it in the process.
2: My current title, I'm serving as a First Assistant Public Defender, and I work with Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid. We're the only um, nonprofit organization in Texas to provide public defender services in the state of Texas. We currently serve 10 counties, and I'm in the B County Regional Office, which serves five of those 10 counties.
1: That's a lot of counties. Yes. I'm trying to think... How many counties I go to, I go to on a regular basis, two regularly, I probably hit five on a kind of casual basis, but two all the time, and then the others would be like, I've got a case in the other counties. Um, so five to handle all the time is, is a lot.
2: We have 11 courts, 11 dockets, basically, um, with currently five attorneys.
1: Whoa okay well good luck thank you (laughs) all right so that kind of brings us to our first question um uh and those of you playing along at home i'm andrew decker andrew harris will get to ask some of the later questions the first question i have is you're a public defender mr harris and i are both uh we both take appointments off the wheel what do you think the advantage or disadvantage however you see it for a public defender's office versus a wheel
2: Let's do advantages first. A public defender's office. And I think it's different if you're in an urban or a rural jurisdiction. So I practice in a rural jurisdiction. So for us, there's not one attorney in B County that lives there that's on the court appointed list. So all the lawyers come from Corpus Christi, Texas.
1: They're all foreigners.
2: Right. So they go to Corpus first and they do their docket. And then by the time they're doing business there, they get to B County, by 11 o'clock in the morning, and that's the first time the court can get started. So that was really the original re- reason for the push to create a public defender's office. Um, since we've been up and running, some of the benefits that, and I was on the court-appointed list um, for five years, and now I'm with the public defender's office. Some of the things that I see that we do better, I have I have staff, I have investigators, I have um, an expert, budget i have um we're able to see the officers on a regular basis both in county court and in district court if i see a dirty cop bad habits making chicken chicken shit stops
1: this isn't for public consumption we we can see
2: those patterns when i was in private practice on the wheel i couldn't pick up on those patterns because i didn't know the community enough i didn't see enough police reports in a public defender's office, we have a file. We know which officers are gonna make bad stops, are gonna make racist search, bad interrogations, and we're able to kind of fight those systemic issues. Um, Having the money to hire experts, I've never felt as a public defender that I don't have money to do what I wanna do on a case. When I was a court-appointed lawyer, I felt like I was very much restricted. Oh, you need an investigator? Here's $500. What is that going to get you? Read the discovery, meet with the client once, that's it. Um, So I could probably go on, but those off the top of my head, those are the most, the biggest benefits I see of having a public defender's office.
1: Sure. Wow. Okay, so public defender's office. Why? Why? Why, why why are you there what drives you to do public public defender work because origi- that's that's a it's different right
2: some people say it's the Lord's work um,
1: can I get an amen
2: some people do I think it's Mr. Goldstein that says that to Jessica all the time um, for me it ended up becoming a financial thing so I was on the wheel I was in private practice for five years. After I left the district attorney's office, my family needed health insurance, so I came over to the public defender's office, and it's very unique what we're doing. One because it's rule, two because we're legal aid, so we're not county employees. That makes us very different than all the other public defender's offices in the state.
1: Like Dallas County. Right. Public defenders are. The Dallas County Public Defender's Office works for the Dallas County, right. not for. A Nonprofit organization outside of the system. Correct.
2: So I can piss people off within the system, and still know I'm going to have a paycheck. It's kind of brilliant the way this is the way yeah, our program it's pretty is set freeing. up. It is. It, it's very liberating, and and the judges act like they own us, but we know they don't because at the end of the day, my paycheck doesn't come from them.
0: So can we talk about funding? Like, yeah. what where does that? How does that work then for your office?
2: For us, it is it. It started out with Texas Indigent Defense Commission, TIDC, Uh and they wanted to start creating, um, with the Fair Defense Act, supporting regions of the state that needed support. So it initially started out in 2009 as 80% of the money coming from TIDC, or the
0: state,
2: 20% coming from the local counties. And then the next year it went up, I think, to 60 40 and then the year after that, it was supposed to be 80 percent the county was paying for the indigent defense, 20 percent the state. That never was viable, mm-hmm. because the counties, again, rural counties don't have the tax value to have enough money to provide adequate indigent defense. So right. we kind of they tweaked it, and it's now a 50/50 sustaining grant. It had okay. been that for the past few years. Just this year, um, this I think it was last week, uh, TIDC just um, redid the grants, and we were awarded a grant, and now we're at two-thirds. So two-thirds of the money for our program is going to come from the state, and one-third will come from the counties. And that's, that's a huge increase in indigent defense. And if TIDC had their way, they would want to fund indigent defense 100% because it's basically an unfunded mandate for the counties. You have to provide the service, and they don't have a lot of money to do it. Um, but that's where the money, the funding comes from.
0: And your role within the office, I mean, you're, you're running the office, so there's a lot of administrative work. And then you also have dockets, and you're, you're in trial So can you talk just a little bit about managing your time with the administrative side versus preparing for, you know, a really serious trial? Um,
2: That's always been a struggle in our office because it's a small office. We have very few felony qualified lawyers. So I did for a long time get the brunt of it's a capital, it's a non-death capital murder or continuous sexual abuse. You've got to take the case. Um, and when that would happen, my administrative side, my management skills would suffer. True. So I, I don't think that I was training the young lawyers, supervising them, in court observing them as much as they deserve to be. Right. Um, we would always send our young ones to trial college. I always tell everybody, read the code, read the code. But if it came, if push came to shove, my client was more important than making sure you knew what you were doing in county right. court.
0: Well, that's speaking that's honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just
2: kind of sure. I mean, that it's way. a
0: balancing act, and I know for Andrew and I, sometimes we struggle with running the business side of our practices versus you know representing our clients in court. I mean, that always has to take precedence. So, I right. that absolutely um, is a real life struggle for sure.
2: The one unique thing again about us being legal aid, so our final final business stuff all goes through our main office in Mercedes, um, Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid has almost 200 lawyers, 75 75 of them, which would be civil lawyers providing legal aid services. I think we're the third largest legal aid group in the nation. And so the trial structure does a lot of that. So I don't have to sign a contract for our lease. I don't have to worry about paying the rent for the lease. A lot of those bigger things, trial management handles. If there's a water leak, I'd have to deal with that. If the alarm went off in the middle of the night, we have to deal with that. Um, Somebody's computer broke. We're having... I mean, it's a little bit of... I mean, it's kind of like a government bureaucracy, I guess, at that point, because you're having to beg for a new computer from IT that's worrying about 200 lawyer organization. Um, For managing cases... It was just kind of always a, it's a day-to-day thing. Can I carve out this much time to kind of look at what somebody else is doing on a case? Do they need my help? Versus my client needs my help on a case.
1: So you said that uh, there, there were times when, especially when you had several young lawyers, you would be sometimes the only felony qualified person in your office. So when that docket stacks up, you're only human. Does the do you then get uh, more? Do people get appointed off the wheel, or do you just get stacked up with a, a, a deeper set of cases? And I'm asking that with a little bit of fear and trepidation in my heart.
2: I'm proud to say that I've never had to reject a case under my ethical obligations to best serve a client. Um, Have I then had to gone back to my upper management and scream and yell and say, I can't do all these cases. I can't fight systemic changes, which public defenders do. um, Deal with client caseload, deal with management, deal with training young lawyers. Yeah, but I've never had to tell the court I can't take that one. Um, My district judges are very reasonable knowing it is what it is, kind of. So they'll stagger their cases in a way that I can get through them. So, for example, last fall, um, what was the third case? I, I had three back-to-back. Back, I had, like, capital murder, continuous sexual abuse, and something else. And I was going to try, like, three cases in a row. But it was going to be August, September, October. I was just going to get through them. Um, and at that point, by I got to the second or third one and something fell through, the judges were tolerant with a reset even though not happy, but they were tolerant.
1: Yeah, yeah that helps. I mean, it, prepping for a case, it, people think about how many days we're in trial. The trial, in some ways, is, for me, it's not the hard part. Mine is catching, you know, should I object to that, or do I just let it run? Um, uh, once I actually get to trial, that's not the hard part per se. It's the prepping, minus occasionally after you sit down in closing on a continuous sexual assault of a child and you feel like, I need to take a shower. Yeah. Um, uh, which is part of our job. Uh, is it sometimes you do a closing and you know, I feel gross for what I've just done and I did my job. Yeah. Uh, so... What is a, a a case, your favorite case or favorite legal issue you like to tackle?
2: I like to tackle issues where I know the government has just fucked up. Um, for example, um, we love those cases. <laughs> I had one. It w- It was an intoxicant manslaughter, and there was a car accident. There was a death. My client goes to the hospital. He did. You know they take him to the hospital just to kind of make sure medically check him. Mm-hmm. They're at the hospital and they start doing the workup, and he doesn't want the blood tests, and he doesn't he doesn't have health insurance. He's like, no, 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 no. He starts pulling out his lines, and he's like, no, I don't want to do this. Um, the trooper comes in and is like, I need to talk to you, sir. He's like, okay. After I go to the bathroom, he takes off. They had pulled his blood, so the trooper tells the nurse. Hold on to that blood vial. I'll be back for it. He comes back for it, but he comes back for it with a grand jury subpoena. Not a warrant. Then nurse hands it over and they send it to the DPS lab. And I was was like, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound fair. I know you can use a grand jury subpoena for medical records. This hadn't been tested yet. So... I mean, just beating the ground, beating the ground. Just like, it just didn't sound right that you can do that. Uh, won the motion to suppress. State appealed it. Went all the way up to the CCA. And they said, can't do it. Needed a warrant. So it's a little thing. And, and then the prosecutor in that hearing was like, we do this all the time. No, you don't, jackass. You don't do this all the time. Wait,
1: so that was your case that just came down, like, in the last couple of months? Martinez, yeah. Martinez. Damn. Yeah. Who, I didn't know it was my friend who had that case. Yeah. I, because I,
2: you're not going to see my name on the um,
1: because on the,
2: I don't do the appeals.
1: Well, you are getting credit <laughs> from Andrew Decker and Andrew Harith Criminal Defense Podcast that you as your case.
2: Well, damn. And now they now four years later they've asked for a warrant, and so again I'm like, can they do that? That doesn't seem right. Let's go. Right. And so I'm just kind of doing the same thing again. It's like if you're going to get my client. And some of our clients, right, at the end of the day deserve to be punished. Sure. But you're gonna do it the right way. Right. And you're gonna do it by following the rules. Yeah. That's That's great. That's kind of the way I do it.
0: And that kind of like just really feeds into that passion, right? Doesn't that just justify, I guess, like all the hard work on all the other yep. cases that you just kind of get whooped on? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean that That, that it one really... little
2: that one little one that you can be like, fuck you, state.
0: Yeah. 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 You got to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, people ask me all the time, like, how do you do what you do? And I'm like, we, nothing happens without criminal defense lawyers questioning every little thing that happens in court. Like we don't have constitutional rights without us. It's so important. We're an, an important part of the process, a vital part of the process.
2: One of the speakers today, Damon from Harris County Public Defender's Office, he said, when they frame the constitution, they weren't thinking about ISIS. They weren't thinking about nine eleven. They were thinking about the courtroom and an overzealous government, and how can defense attorneys protect citizens from the government taking too much power? Yeah. And it was—I mean, the way he said it, I was just like, "Wow, that is what we do and why we do it."
0: Yeah. Well said. What? Um, let's talk about some. Uh, well, not some, but the best piece of advice. Uh, you give to young lawyers, new lawyers, um, you know, new defense attorneys, whatever?
2: I tell them read 42A.
0: Okay. And for the non-lawyers who are listening, what does that mean?
2: It's the statute that it's, I think it's everything and anything if you're going to be practicing criminal defense. It's the statute that controls and outlines everything that can happen on community supervision or probation.
0: Okay, and uh, that's forty two A is kind of a new a new name for it, right? Right. So, can you just uh, walk us through like what the old one was called and why the new, or if you know, forty
2: two twelve, and then we would have three G. Three G is hugely important because that's going to decide if somebody's going to do fifty percent time in prison versus ha- uh, one one fourth. Um, I think state jail felonies is fifteen section fifteen. Uh, Section 13s, DWIs, all the conditions and requirements. Um, There's a whole other section for sex offenders and what duties they're going to have. Shock probation. So somebody could get sent to prison and then possibly come back out and be placed on probation. That rule's in there. Um, How long can somebody stay on probation? That rule's in there. Can somebody go to prison for not paying their attorney fees? Not paying their court costs? That rule's in there. So there's so many rules that are just in that one section that I, that's the advice I give everybody. If you, you want to learn something, learn that.
0: So, yeah, and that, I think that's that's really great advice because, um, you know, as trial attorneys, we love to talk about, we love to give our war stories about trial. But the reality is, you know, 90% of our cases or higher probably plea out. And right. the number one question I get from, from my clients is, if I accept this deal, what what does this mean? What what's realistically going to happen to me down the line? Right. And and you're right, 42A is is incredibly important for that. I don't uh, feel
2: as smart as I used to because I can't quote the sections.
0: No, but 3G. You anymore, mentioned 3G and that's no. that's the main important one if you do any kind of felony work. But
2: I don't even know what it's called anymore. No, but people everyone still calls it 3G. 3G.
1: 3G. It's right. still called yeah. 3G. That's right. It's like so Bill Johnson in the country they go they, they tell you well you go down to the old johnson place yeah. and turn left the johnsons haven't lived there for 47 right. years 3g will be in the in the in the rhetoric of criminal defense right. prosecutor and defense yeah. attorney for at least a generation or two before Absolutely. we stop calling Absolutely. it 3G it's offenses. so different like
2: when i tell the young kids all the millennials that come into my program i'm like it's 3g it used to be forty-two twelve. it's weird
0: yeah um and you're right, because the, the little like twists and turns and, um, you know, you can do this except in this situation, in which case you have to do that. I mean, that's all contained in now 42A. So that's great advice. All right. So let's start uh, wrapping it up with some easy questions. What is your favorite book? You can have multiple. The code of
2: criminal procedure.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: can I just answer it by saying the most recent book I've read? Sure. Um, it, I don't read. I commute from Corpus Christi to Beeville, so it's like an hour one way. Uh, so I do a lot of audiobooks. Audiobooks are fine. Woman in the other room, and it was uh, it's a book about um, Hetty Lamar. And she grew up in Austria, and then um, and she was married to somebody who was like a a weapons distributor, and so she met Mussolini and she met Hitler, and her husband was playing all the sides. She fled from him, um, came to the United States, started making movies in Hollywood, and then she designed this technology that could be used to keep torpedoes from being hit—something with the frequency or something and then the navy wouldn't take it they didn't they wouldn't use her patent but it was she did receive a patent for it it was kept top secret until the 70s but that by that point the patent had already expired so she didn't get to get any really credit for it and i think they said like in the author's note that it was used that that technology is used in our cell phones today huh. and if you google her like i looked her up on wikipedia and she's Beautiful. You would never think that. I mean, and that's what made it so interesting. So, like this beautiful woman with, she taught herself all that science, and then had all this. Like it was cool. Yeah, that is cool.
1: That's impressive. Yeah, you
0: never
2: would think that.
1: Mm. Right. Very cool. All right. So, favorite band.
2: Favorite band.
1: Or or recording artist. It doesn't have to be a band per se. You know, like it could be a solo artist.
2: Sure. Gosh. There's so many. I guess I'd you too. It's one of my yes. favorites.
1: She agrees with me. I'm winning.
2: Yes.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Right. And then finally, uh, well, again, it, it has been an honor to have you talk to us. Um, uh, I, I don't know if you, y'all can't see, obviously, but I've had a smile on my face the whole time because you know this is this is the best friend I've had on the podcast so far. Oh, Andy true. Harith is is a colleague. Friend, eh, maybe. Um, so, how if someone wanted to reach you? If a young attorney wanted to go, I want to know. I want to sit down with an hour to pick this this lady's brain. How would they get a hold of you? How would they find you?
2: You can Facebook me, call me, email me. Do you want me to give you that information? Or it, well,
1: could they? They can they find you through the TCDLA website?
2: Yes, they can.
1: And they could find you through the. Beeville Regional Public Defender's Office.
2: Probably Google Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid. All right. Or just go to the State Bar, Texas Attorney Find. Um, call you, Andrew. You know how to get a hold of me. I do
1: know how to get a hold of you.
2: Mm-hmm. And TCDLA, we can do a plug for them. It's a great, great program. Right. Great resource, and that's why we're all here at Rusty.
1: Exactly. Whoop, whoop. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, again, we're Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.
0: Wow, what a great interview. You know, I really loved the uh, the differences she noted between a public defender and a private attorney. That was really enlightening for me. And obviously that piece of advice, read Chapter 42, the Code of Criminal Procedure, 42A. 42 42 42A. Excuse me. Uh, that is super important uh, for any criminal attorney. Very great. Uh, Everyone, thank you for joining us and listening to our interview. Uh, This is Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. You've just heard an interview that we did with Michelle Ochoa of the Public Defender's Office in B County. And I really, uh, really want to encourage you all to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Visit our website, texascrimdefense.com. You'll find all of our contact information there. Um, And we have a Facebook page. So plenty of ways for y'all to get in touch with us. And we have some, as always, we have some great content coming up in our next episode.
1: Right. Next time for episode five, two words, Michael Tiger. If you know anything about the law, that's enough. Tune in. Michael Tiger.